0: Welcome to the BSG Podcast. I am your host Chase and today we're going to be talking about Alan Wake and with me to talk about and review
1: this game is Quinn. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. If you do not know what BSG is, we're an informative bi-weekly podcast focused on gaming news and discussions. On Mondays, we go over the news for the week covering everything gaming without the BS. And on Wednesdays, we pick a juicy topic or game to review and give our half-informed opinions. Like Chase mentioned, today's game is Alan Wake. And if you want to get a hold of us and talk to
0: us about Alan Wake, you can find us on Twitter at BSGamersPodcast. We would love to hear your opinions about Alan Wake, what you think about the game. Was it a great game? Did it change you in any way? Do, are you afraid of the dark now? We
1: need to know. And if you want to do something extra special for us, you can leave us a review on whichever platform you are currently listening. That would also help a lot. Alright, you ready to jump in, Quinn? I'm ready.
0: So I wanted to start with a little bit of the development of this game. So this game has been developed by Remedy Entertainment. This company was founded in 1995, and they created their first game, Death Rally, in their basement. And so Remedy is a video game developer based in Espoo, Finland. And you'll see that in the game Alan Wake, as it does have Finnish models. This uh, entertainment company has been known for making games such as Max Payne. Quantum Break, <laughs> Max Payne, <laughs> Quantum Break, Alan Wake, that we're going to talk about today,
1: and the new game that just recently came out, Control. Alan Wake was started right after Max Payne 2, since the team was burnt out on making Max Payne games. Alan Wake was then announced in E3 in 2005. The game was initially intended to be a sandbox open world game similar to GTA. However, the idea was scrapped due to it getting in the way of the storytelling. The developers had an interesting way of designing enemies for the game. They would take the concept art of an enemy and pour water on the image, and then use that blurred-out character as inspiration for the enemies to make them feel a little bit off. All the characters for the game were modeled after real-life people. The models for Alan and Alice, as Chase was talking about, were Finnish, while the rest of the cast were based on American models. The setting of Bright Falls, the location where the game takes place, was based in the American Pacific Northwest, where Remedy took their team to take thousands of photos of the area and use it for concept art. The game was heavily inspired by artists like Stephen King, with the game even starting with a quote by the author. The game is also influenced by Twin Peaks, the birds, and the Twilight Zone. Twin Peaks shows up in the form of collectible thermoses, the birds show up in the form of little birds that actually try and kill you, and then you have the Twilight Twilight Zone showing up in the form of an in-game TV program called Night Springs. In 2006, Remedy
0: partnered with Microsoft to publish this game exclusively uh, exclusively for Microsoft Xbox 360. The Xbox version was released in 2010 and Remedy pressed Microsoft to allow a PC version of the game and after two years of pressing them, Microsoft did give the green light and after six months of work, it was released in 2012 on PC. By 2015, since its release, Alan Wake has sold over 4.5 million copies. Remedy wanted to make a sequel due to its success and its desire to want to make another game, but Microsoft had them work on another project known as Quantum Break. So the only Alan Wake content that came out after the original game were the two Alan Wake DLCs and an (laughs) arcade game called Alan Wake American Nightmare. This new game took place in an alternate universe in the Arizona desert, and we are sad because it is not what we
1: wanted. We wanted Alan Wake (laughs) 2. Where's Alan Wake (laughs) 2? There are also some additional ways outside of the game to get more information on the world, including a six-episode Bright Falls web series following the role of the reporter Jake Fisher, who interviews Dr. Hartman about his book. Dr. Hartman is a character within the game. There's also a 144-page book called The Alan Wake Files, which expands on the fiction of the game itself. All right, getting into graphics first. How do you feel about the graphics in the game, Chase? Um, so
0: this game, as we mentioned, it originally came out on Xbox 360. And the graphics look pretty good, honestly, for that time period. Um, I mean, personally, to me, looking at it now, it looks a little clunky here and there. It doesn't quite have the... Um, graphic power as some other games that we play nowadays and then you kind of see it in the way that they touch the ground or something like that or they way they they pick up things like you can you can see like it's not
1: quite animations are not perfect that's for sure and the character models are also not perfect but it's a 10 year old game And that's why I'm not I'm I'm
0: faulting it for now, like as in in this day and age. But like for that time, it was really good. And they the graphics looked did look great, especially when they added in a lot of uh, shading and a lot of like cloudiness to the game to make it more mysterious. And so by doing that, uh, there have been games like Silent Hill where Silent Hill did not have uh, great graphics to put in back then. And so what they would do is they would add like fog and uh, mist in order to make it seem like it looks better than it is, if that makes sense. And they kind of hide this in the game. fact
1: that there are yeah. like lower res textures and stuff like that. And I think Alan Wake totally does that, um, yeah. even if they haven't like specifically stated that the... The vast majority of the game takes place at night. And so you don't get the highest detail of textures on like trees and stuff because it's pretty much pitch black, besides from uh, the immediate area around Alan Wake and whatever you highlight with your flashlight. So I think they definitely were cutting corners there. They were like, yeah, let's uh, save on some like rendering power or whatever by leaving the dark areas not the best looking. And like you said, the polygons of characters and animations aren't the best either. So, But what, what are you going to do? For a 10-year-old yeah. game, I think it looks good. I think the nighttime sequences especially look good. Um, and it really draws your attention to specific things. Like uh, Part of the gameplay, which we'll get into a bit, um, but you have a flashlight and it's also your aiming reticle. So essentially, it's in the center of your screen and I think it really draws your attention away from the crappy looking stuff around you <laughs> in the nighttime and really focuses in front of you on like a distant object. Cause usually you're not looking at things close up with your flashlight. So it kind of like adds to that. Like it makes the graphics even a little bit better. Like it cheats a little bit more in that way. Um, but I thought it looked, it looked good for what it was. I was actually impressed for a 10 year old game to look this decent. Yes. And
0: I, I have to really stress that fact that I am saying it doesn't look as good today, but for a 10-year-old game,
1: it is is—it is quite good. And or even side-by-side the... side with Control, their newest game, <laughs> it's like night and day. It's like, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is what 10
0: years of technology does. How much it's improved, yes. And a lot of the things that they do is they add a lot of like these shadowy particle effects to the Taken, which are some of the enemies that you fight in the game and it's like if they if you look at the daylight sequences when you actually meet some of the characters there's like some you could see like oh it's not that great but when they add those shadowy figures as your enemies it makes it look a lot better to me like they they look really cool as as enemies with this like shading because you can't see their faces completely so they look like these shadow monsters but you know like uh, because we mentioned before it's like this watery concept where they blur the images, the the or um the, the ca- characters, the concept art, but the characters are blurred off just a little bit. It looks really cool in that sense, especially when you later get to see how they move around in the game and they right. like really blur out, it makes it look really cool.
1: I told I I definitely agree with that that the particle effects or the effects that they're using on the the taken whether that's people or birds or objects i think whenever something's manipulated by the darkness quote unquote it looks really cool yeah and i think they're just really remedy is just really solid in that department and i don't want to go back to talking about control but one of the things about control that really looked interesting are those same they have like a very similar Particle effect or, or situation where enemies have a otherworldliness weirdness to them, and it looks amazing. How they they've really focused and gotten better at this alternate reality and how to uh, show that in a game. Quantum Break was all about time bending, and they learned more from that. And I think they really excelled from just from the Alan Wake. Or I, even, like, Max Payne is about bending time and having those weird effects on screen with slow-mo. Um, yeah, was, not so that much that in the last two, but, Right. Because uh, they use slow-mos, I think, right? Not the... Nothing...
0: It's not actually he has time abilities. He just... You slow time to make Right. You just slow time stuff.
1: and shoot people that, okay. just for fun. But, yeah. yeah, like, in Alan Wake, like, I think that is something they've always been good at and really have worked towards is, like, distortion in reality and how to make that look like interesting
0: yeah it really gives you an eerie vibe like even if you don't hear the music and it really fits the game and so i i agree i think like the graphics at that time were phenomenal you might not be as happy about it now with today's day in technology but uh if you at least take this from a historical perspective this game really not maybe not graphically in a lot of departments but like with all the things that alan wake did It really drove a lot of things that um, I think people can learn from uh, and have take value from it, even the graphics with the the particle effects. I definitely agree.
1: All right, you ready to talk about story? Yeah, let's get on into it. All right, now getting into story. So Alan Wake takes place in an episodic sequence, even though it doesn't actually it hasn't released in episodes. What happened was they released the entire game, but to format it into a cohesive way, I guess. They wanted to break it down into six separate sections and then two separate sections for DLC. Um, So we have episodes in Alan Wake, the first of which being titled Nightmare. So episode one, Nightmare. At the beginning of the episode, you are Alan and he's talking about, because he's the entire narrator of the entire story, entire game, is that he talks about having this reoccurring nightmare where he wakes up or in the nightmare, I guess, he's he's driving a car, and he hits a hitchhiker, and kills him in his mind. But the hitchhiker comes back up, he's fine, but now he's shrouded in darkness, and this man goes after Alan, and Alan has to um, figure out how to basically play the game. You as the player are also learning how to play the game, and essentially that Goes that that is the nightmare is that he has this a recurring nightmare where he hits a guy kills a guy the guy comes back covered in darkness and Alan has to figure out how to survive. Cut to the actual game and the intro to the game. You are Alan Wake, a famous writer, super famous, so famous that when you take a vacation with your wife Alice to this place called Bright Falls, which is the scene of the, the setting of the game, everyone knows who you are. And that sucks because Alan wants to take a break from writing because he's just finished his popular series of books based on a New York uh, cop, and now he's had writer's block for two years, and he just wants to take a break, clear his mind, and eventually get home and then rewrite, or not rewrite, but get home and write a new book. So it gets to Bright Falls, everyone knows his name, causes some issues for him, and he he tries to get a cabin, or he gets keys to a cabin, him and his wife rented for the, the duration of their vacation. But something goes awry, and this dark presence actually manipulates the wakes to go to a cabin on Cauldron Lake. When they settle down, Alice reveals that she brought Alan's typewriter. They have a little bit of a fight because he didn't want to type on, or he didn't want to write a book while he was on vacation. As they get into a fight, it is revealed that Alice is afraid of the dark, and the lights go out. Alan then tries to go save Alice and finds out that when he gets back to the cabin, she has fallen into the lake. Alan then dives into the lake after her, and it is we get this weird flash of information of that the the darkness or the the form that the darkness took form in at the beginning of the game has somehow taken Alice and dragged her to the dark depths of the bottom of the lake. And as it is revealed later in the game, uh, the lake is the source of this dark presence power. So Alan wakes up randomly after diving into the lake after his wife. He wakes up in a car crash with no memory. And that's kind of where we get in episode one, and we start from there.
0: So then moving on with that, he wakes up in the car with a head injury and he's like oh my god what is going on and so he decides to uh go into the woods essentially and head to the gas station where he can make a phone call and he all of a sudden gets start he gets attacked by what we call the taken or these people who've been touched by the dark presence from the lake as he's getting uh attacked by these people he av- kills him with a flashlight and a revolver that seems to be popping up in some of the places that um, he walks through. And then finally he gets to the gas station where he makes a call to Sarah Breaker, the police officer. And then he finds out that he's actually been gone for a week and that the cabin does not exist. The cabin that he was staying at has been gone since the 70s since it sunk into the the lake and so now he we we get into this episode some form of distortion or lies from from the game and from the dark presence and then we cut to episode two which is the taken
1: right and so as uh alan is taken and no pun intended i guess by Sarah Breaker to the police office or police station, um, he finds out all this information that he's been gone for a week, and the the cabin that he was at didn't exist. He also meets a character named Doctor Hartman, who explains that uh, Alan's wife has died in the lake. Alan doesn't believe this and punches him in the face. And just in time, his friend slash publisher Barry arrives after having called Alan for a week and not receiving any information. So he actually came to Bright Falls to find out what Alan was doing. And Barry comes in and breaks up the fight and takes Alan away.
0: So then when Alan gets... Wait, wait, say that one more time. What was the last thing you said?
1: Uh, that Barry took Alan out of the police, office, police station. Okay.
0: So Barry... And Alan, they go over to the park ranger's cabin and they collect a key in order to go and stay at another cabin since the one at Cauldron Lake no longer exists. Or never existed. Or never existed. (laughs) And they meet a park ranger named Rusty who essentially becomes important in the game later because... One of the things that you've been collecting since episode one have been manuscripts. And one of the interesting things about these manuscripts is that you know that you've written them, but you don't know when you've written them. So all you know, it's like it's in your style, but you don't know how they've been created. And as you've been reading these manuscripts, they come true. For example, like going to the gas station was written in the manuscript. You pick that up, and then you still you it tells you about like what happens at the gas station and etc. Similarly, when you meet Rusty, he's also been collecting your manuscript uh, pages, and it also tells about the dark presence essentially killing Rusty later, and it does in fact come true. And then as you're going through it. Um, you essentially work your way towards this guy uh, known as Mott, the kidnapper. So what happened earlier was you got a phone call at the police station uh, and the kidnapper Mott claims that he has your wife Alice, which seems to seem like a reasonable thing that's true compared to Alice following falling into the uh, Cauldron Lake and being taken by the Dark Presence. So you essentially believe that the kidnapper really does have Alice and you need to go after her or after him in order to save her. And so you go after uh, the kidnapper, you meet up with him, you find out he does not have Alice at that moment and you get into an entanglement where eventually he gets he gets uh, away from you and then calls you later again to say that, hey, uh, we're going to meet up in a different place. And he wants your manuscripts. So now you're starting to see that the manuscripts play an important role in this this game. Because they seem to be telling truths or something where things are coming true. And so now other people want to collect your manuscript for uh, whatever their own reasons would be. And so you meet up with Barry and then finally you find out from one of your hugest fans, Rose, who's the diner clerk that she has, she has your manuscripts. But at the very end of this episode, you find out that Rose has been touched by the dark presence and that she is not actually in control when she says that she actually has your manuscripts. And that is how episode
1: two, the taken ends. Right. And so episode three is Ransom. And essentially, Alan and Barry meet up with Rose, who's acting a little, you know, odd. And they're drugged by Rose. She gives them coffee, diner coffee, I guess. She's always in her diner outfit for some reason, but she... That'd she be gives a red them like right there right yeah I know she's never <laughs> changes clothes I think well we, maybe we could talk about this a little bit later but maybe the uh, developers you know didn't have the funds to Alan also wears the same clothes everybody in the game wears the same clothes <laughs> for two weeks straight um anyways Rose drugs them both and that's pretty much it it's not like she kills them or anything she just drugs them uh essentially wasting time because one of the things that the kidnapper said was that you have two days to give me the entirety of your manuscript. So, one day is wasted away as Barry and Alan pass out because they were drugged, and then they start running away because they're like, what the hell is going on? And an FBI agent named Agent Nightingale wildly shoots at Alan, who runs into the forest and just runs for his life. Um... Later in the game we understand that Nightingale was actually reading Alan's manuscripts as well and was just freaking out about it and he was also an alcoholic, which doesn't help. So it's just this he's just kind of a crazy character.
0: To to make it a little more interesting, we don't know that he's an alcoholic because of other people. It was because of the manuscripts uh, pages that you were picking up.
1: So So Go ahead. So a lot of the story and a lot of this could potentially be one of the faults of the game, is that a lot of these manuscripts are almost collectibles. Like, you have to search for them. So You do. You some, don't actually get all of them unless you're Right, so some are actually dropped right in front of you, and a lot of those are important to the story and just important to... Uh, oh, Alan needs to go to the gas station, right? Like, it, it points you in the right direction. But some of these explain how other characters are feeling when they read your manuscript, or how other characters are reacting um, to other characters. Like We we learned that Rusty was actually in love with Rose um, from a a hidden manuscript, I believe, so it kind of fleshes out characters as you search for these manuscripts. Anyways, like I said, Nightingale wildly shoots at Alan, Alan runs away, and uh, continues on his merry way to try and find Alice.
0: um so as you're trying to go and find alice you go to the coal mines where you're being where the kidnapper designated to meet you the kidnapper actually never shows up there and you get another phone call later where they says to meet at the twin peaks so alan meets mott there only to find out that he actually gets cut in half by the dark presence so you Realize that the Dark Presence definitely exists. I mean, from the other episodes, but you also realize that definitely the Dark Presence has Alice, not Mott. So Mott was essentially covering, uh, was making a lie or a claim that he had Alice when in fact he just wanted the manuscripts. Most likely he, pr- this would be my guess, is that he read in the pages that he gets killed by the Dark Presence and maybe he wanted to get those, uh, uh, manuscript pages in order to save himself that would be my guess as to his his drive as to why he wanted what why he wanted the manuscripts
1: well that is actually incorrect and i have proof but damn it. i think that is why so at right before mott dies by the dark presence he is basically confessing uh at the end of this this ledge he's confessing that he never had alice to begin with and that it was all a lie, and he's like crying, and he's like, "I don't want to die," and all this other stuff. Uh, and that's when you run up on him, and then the cutscene happens where the dark presence kills him, and then Alan uh, jumps into the lake to survive. So what he pulls was out the, a flare? What was the
0: proof then?
1: So that yes. is the episode of episode three, but in episode four, Alan wakes up in Doctor Hartman's recovery center. And to basically cut to what I was about to say about how we know that Mott wasn't getting the manuscript for himself, we eventually find in this episode that Mott worked for Dr. Hartman.
0: Was that in a manuscript page? Because I never remember.
1: We, well, we that. see a picture of them, but maybe you have to actually click on the picture. Maybe you didn't mm, do this. But...
0: I didn't do this. That's probably why they missed right. that information.
1: And, and there's a lot of manuscripts talking about their relationship. And I'll get into that a little bit more if you if you don't know. Um, if, you, if you don't know any of this information between the two, I'll, I'll explain it. But okay. so episode four is The Truth. And uh, we wake up in Dr. Hartman's uh, recovery center, which he basically tells you all this stuff about how you're insane and Alice brought you to him. And you're grieving, and you need to just write. You just need to write, um, please. Just write. One thing to mention is that Dr. Hartman specializes in uh, psychological treatment of artists. That is his profession. Is like he spe- specifically treats artists. Now that is a whole thing that I could talk about later, because th- this is where a lot of theory crafting can start. But we're not going to do that. Mm -hmm. essentially we see the two anderson brothers who are tor and odin and they tell uh, alan that he needs to go to their farm and there he will find the answers in stopping the dark presence and essentially how to get alice back because that's all that alan really cares about Um, and then eventually the dark presence makes its way to the recovery center
0: and one of the fun things that happens is you fucking hate Doctor Hartman, and he gets taken by the uh, dark presence, and kills right. and kills Hartman, which um, there's a ma- this is this is just a side part, but it's funny that you find a manuscript later that says that you were very happy that he was taken by the darkness in like a, some twisted way, and I right. was like, this is yep, like, I also agree. right before,
1: <laughs> right before this happens, you basically. I don't think it specifies that Hartman dies, but it says that, like, Alan was really happy that this person died. And then Hartman dies, and it's just like, oh, that's that's what was going on. And this um,
0: may be the first manuscript that you get where I feel like it actually puts an expression or, like, emotion on your main character. Because a lot of the stuff is like you're, you you go to a certain spot. Uh, you see the emotions of other characters. But I, this may have been the first one that at least I saw where um, you actually know that this manuscript or something is controlling Alan or doing something that actually makes it come true. Do you, do you kind of get what I'm saying? And so Yeah. That, and so this is uh, an important um, piece right. that this, we have this, to get into later. At
1: the- after wrapping up the end of the game we can talk about it a little bit because this right basically it it complicates the entirety of the game it does uh, all these stories just things. keep
0: that in mind that these manuscripts seem to really be driving the characters that's the whole point. right
1: they drive the characters they drive the plot they're driving everything even though you're in control or are you in control and that's right. kind of like the whole thing but also one thing to note is that Barry was at Doctor Hartman's office trying to save you, essentially, and get you out of there. But Doctor Hartman uh, locked Barry in a room. You save him, and that's when Doctor Hartman dies to the um, mm-hmm. to the dark presence. So at this um,
0: at this clinic, essentially, you meet the Anderson brothers, who you met before at the um, diner, the old Senal men, and. They get like a sudden spark of clarity because they're heavily drugged up on pills, and uh, you know, just being old, uh, they have uh, late stages of dementia, and they allegedly. tell you, allegedly, that's true. They tell you that uh, they have a farm, and that's where they keep everything that they need to remember about the dark presence and how to right. To I already attention. said this, so okay, but. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but eventually you get to the farm and that's where we find out more information. Okay. And when you get to the farm,
0: uh you there's a fun little scene where you use um the Anderson brothers' stage to essentially kill a bunch of taken.
1: They were uh, rock stars, so they have this yeah. like dragon and all these like lights and stuff, and lights are the enemy of the darkness, so it's like this crazy fireworks show and everything, and it's pretty fun. Yeah.
0: And so when you get to the end of that and get to the farm, you find an audio device which recorded a bunch of, well, not really a bunch. If anything, it's only a small piece that we hear. Maybe there was more. But uh, on the audio device, it says that the Lady of Light is the one you kind of have to meet in order to defeat the Dark Presence right there's this
1: song recorded by them by the uh i think they were called what the the old gods, the asgard the asgards of old the old asgard shoot old uh, old gods of asgard maybe there we go um and that's why their names are tor and odin so that was they changed names and everything anyways yeah so they had a recording of one of their songs called the lady of the light or actually it was called the poet and the something else the poet and the muse the Poet and the Muse, and it talks about how, essentially, it's speaking to Alan and what he needs to do to progress. And it says, like, in order to change your destiny and make it all right, you must find the Lady of the Light, something like that.
0: Right. And, and who is Cynthia Weaver, the crazy lady who's been flicking on and off the lights
1: and saying that you like should the be the dark. Like, the darkness can hurt you, etc. Yeah. yeah. And But for whatever reason, and this is, like, one of the things I didn't by was after they find this information out barry and alan get drunk on moonshine which i don't know why this was a good idea or not i mean Um, the
0: darkness still can get you in the in houses so it doesn't make any sense i agree
1: right it doesn't make sense why they'd just be like all right time to take a nap but something i guess that did drive the plot forward is that this moonshine is made with distilled water from the lake Mm -hmm. and It talked about how Tor and Odin Anderson um, essentially rose to power in a way because they figured out that the lake and the dark presence makes artists' creations come true. And because they were musicians, they talked about how they were gods and all this other stuff, and it made them powerful. And then they made moonshine with the lake water, which then gave them like visions and stuff of of greatness or of the truth, quote-unquote. That's why this episode is called The Truth. So Alan drinks this moonshine. It gives him basically a vision of what actually happened the week he was gone, then explaining that what actually happened was Alice was taken by the darkness. The darkness then told Alan that it was his fault, and that basically the darkness explained to Alan that he could write her back into existence, And that the darkness could make his creations real life. And so for the entirety of that week, he was writing. He was writing this story called Departure. And the story would then bring back Alice and save everything. But ultimately, through this vision, he figures out that the darkness is manipulating him. And that it's trying to let itself free. It's trying, it was forcing Alan to write this novel so that at the end of the novel, the darkness could win and essentially escape the lake and take over the world or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever the darkness does in its free time. I don't know. <laughs> uh,
0: and then at the very end of the episode, uh, you wake up from your groggy uh, moonshine. They're groggy from drinking all their moonshine and agent nightingale captures them and takes them to prison. And that's the end of the episode. And then we move on to episode five known as the clicker. Uh, And we'll, we'll get into a little bit about what the clicker is. It's a very important piece. Um, And so basically Alan and Barry, they wake up in their cell uh, with Agent Nightingale and Sarah Breaker in front of them saying that uh, Alan is, has, is under arrest for, I guess, conspiracy. Is that the right word? Or like uh, when you have premeditated murder because right. he's found the pages of a manuscript that uh, Alan did write, but in, just found out that he wrote a week on it. And that those pages are depicting of people dying and those people actually dying. So like Rusty and Stucky
1: and... Um, right, like whatever Alan has written has happened to these people, even though it's been like really fucked up and stuff. So Nightingale is thinking that Alan Wake has actually just killed everybody. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, that, yeah, th-
0: This was a really great moment uh, as well. So he's telling um alan that he's under arrest and that he's going to uh i don't know something like keep him there for life or something like something around that lines and he says something that tips him off that he said it before and so as he says that he like i think he shuffles through some of his uh, pockets to look for a manuscript page Of something that he said and as he was and and you read it later and it says that he gets uh, as he's saying that he gets ripped away by the darkness and that actually happens right so it
1: says like he recalls what he said being written on a page that he read and then he read what he said on the page as he rips it from his pocket (laughs) or something It like basically the manuscript explains that nightingale remembers that the manuscript explained that he would read the manuscript explaining that he would be ripped away by the darkness
0: (laughs) so it's a little complicated but hopefully it makes it makes sense essentially he reads and then gets taken and uh so after that, Sarah wholeheartedly believes you now that you right. were not delusional and some fucking crazy-ass dark
1: presence is actually trying out to kill you. So it's Sari, and Barry, and Alan. They're the, the three musketeers basically trying to fight the light together. And their goal is to get to the Lady of the Light, Cynthia Weaver. Um, and so the main, or the, the first way of doing that, because I don't know how everyone just knows Cynthia Weaver is in the power plant, but they do and uh, the way to get to the power plant is you're going to need the helicopter and so the goal becomes to getting the helicopter sarah's helicopter
0: um i think the reason why they know that she's at the power plant is that she's been doing this for decades and so they just found out eventually they're just
1: like oh she's the crazy lady that lives at the power plant yeah (laughs) yeah but eventually um you get to cynthia weaver after Sarah, Sarah, Barry, and Alan uh, fight their way to the power plant and the chopper goes down eventually and all this other stuff. But you get to Cynthia Weaver and she's the Lady of the Light and she tells you that you must go to the well-lit room and that she's been doing this since um, Thomas Zane died. And so she essentially is the info dump a little bit of this Thomas Zane character, who Alan did actually uh, hear about through manuscripts and stuff like that. And essentially, Thomas Zane was the original Alan Wake. He was the man who lived on the um, island in Cauldron Lake with his muse, who was Uh, Barbara Jagger. Barbara Jagger. And essentially what happened was Barbara died. Thomas Zane knew that he could... Write her back into existence somehow. I don't know how he knew this, but he did. And so he did write well, her back into existence. Yeah.
0: I was going to say the dark presence, I think, told him. I think the dark presence has existed
1: since um, before Thomas Zane. Mm. Uh, so this is another thing, too, because, oh, it was dormant. Right. You're right. Mm-hmm. So apparently it was dormant underneath the lake. And then when his wife slash muse died, Barbara, um, the darkness awoke because Thomas was a creative, and he wrote a lot, and so they, the darkness then used him and his writing to do its bidding, and part of the bidding was that Thomas wanted his wife back, so he brought Barbara back, but she was different, and Thomas is a little bit crazy at this point, so he, like, straps her to a chair and rips her heart out, but there is no heart there, and she's heartless. Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> Um, and he does this because she obviously wasn't his muse. This wasn't the real Barbara. This was like a dark in- incarnation of what she used to be. And so uh, with that, he writes everything out of existence. He writes himself and Barbara and the sinks. he writes into his writing that he sinks the entire island so that hopefully, I guess, this never happens. But he has one caveat and that is in the well-lit room. If in case this happens again, the insurance the insurance policy to make sure the world is saved is in the well-lit room, and he trusted Cynthia Weaver to protect it.
0: Yeah, it's a little weird at that point as to how he couldn't, I guess, prevent the darkness from happening again. Like, right, especially because he
1: running. wrote himself. The, the The guy who could defeat the darkness in a way, he wrote himself out of the world which, I don't know how that, like, how is his caveat, how is his insurance better than himself? I don't know. Right. So if you
0: don't know, uh, in the well-lit room where you head with Cynthia Weaver, uh, Sarah, and Barry, Alan gets a clicker. And so this clicker is from his childhood, and it was basically like a tool that helped to drive away fear for Alan. Well, his his, mom said,
1: because Alan was scared of the dark when he was a child, and Alice is scared of the dark all the time. So what Mm -hmm. happened was when the lights went out, Alan, at the beginning of the game, in the cabin, Alan gave, or no, it flashes back to when Alan gave Alice his clicker and said, when I was a child, my mom gave me this clicker and said that whenever I flicked the click, the lights would go on and all the darkness would go away. And so he gives it to Alice, so that she can, you know, feel better about her adult phobias. Um, and and this we find, is,
0: yeah, this is this is the crazy part too. Uh, go ahead, I'll let you do it. I think it's really crazy. oh,
1: so we find the clicker in this shoebox. I guess so the insurance policy was Thomas Zane could write himself out of existence, but he got anything in his shoebox would be in the real world, which. Who? The, what the fuck kind of writing is that? But anyways, we find Alan's clicker, the, the tool to defeat light from his mother. And we find a page written by Thomas Zane that talks about Alan defeating the darkness with the clicker, which is another layer of mindfuckery, which means that <laughs> Thomas Zane, 30 years in the past, had written a page that Alan Wake... Would be the one defeating the darkness with this clicker. Thirty years later, (laughs) thirty years later, he knew that the darkness would come back, and that Alan would be the one to defeat it. So it it gets, yeah.
0: So to me, this is the uh, the problem that I want to talk about later after episode six. But this is how the episode five ends: is that the manuscript says that Alan is going to uh, prevent the darkness from happening again, or essentially save Alice. Right, more, he's essentially
1: going to stop the darkness from winning. It it, does, it doesn't say necessarily that Alan's going to kill the darkness, mm-hmm. but just that it's going to uh, be weaker. Alan is going to weaken the the darkness to a point where things are going to kind of go back to normal ish.
0: So let's save let's save that little thing for episode, uh, after episode six because I re- or maybe even after all the episodes because that that is an important piece that bothers me. Um. So in episode six, we have the departure, which is the name of the book that he's actually writing. This is the the whole book that he's he wrote in the in a week at the cabin under the right. dark presence spell.
1: So this Alan, is the conclusion to the game yeah. and to the novel at the same yes. time.
0: Alan heads to Cauldron Lake with the clicker alone. He prevents everyone from going, saying that he needs to save Alice himself, uh, himself. and basically just to just to fast forward it is that alan shoves the clicker into the dark presence and frees alice from the the bindings that that's the whole point of episode six there are some other things that happen which we'll we'll may want to talk about but that was like the most important part about episode six right is, is that um he takes the clicker and uses it to defeat the darkness and basically, at the end of that, it comes back with Alice resurfacing uh, from the lake ten about ten days later. So a week has passed, and then three days later, Alice is free. So this kind of like follows chronologically what has happened because you know, day and night passes throughout the episodes. Right. And so, uh, as she gets out, Deerfest is happening because as we mentioned earlier, hopefully, That uh, two weeks Deerfest was happening. Right. And so they have Deerfest. Alan's not there, but you see a few of the characters that we we saw, like Rose and the um, Anderson brothers, Tor and Odin. And one of the things that you see is that the dark presence is still there in control of Rose. You right. see the dark presence. Not necessarily in, the in
1: control, but behind Rose in the diner is Barbara, where originally you meet Barbara. She was the dark right. presence you encountered there. Every time you uh, uh, encounter the dark presence, it was in the shape of Barbara. So whether she still lives in the back of that diner, I don't know, um, or if she lives inside Rose. But I feel like one other thing to touch on, I guess, is the so essentially you're right yeah departure the whole point of episode six is to enact that page that zane wrote because he all never, you're trying he to never do
0: finished is... as well he didn't finish the departure in that week time that's kind right. of like so how he got free as he, well
1: he, right so the reason why he's escaped and reading this manuscript is that it's not done and the darkness wants him to finish it and at the end of the game um he enacts zane's page right he He weakens the darkness with the clicker, and then he goes through this entire thing with Zane where um, we see a doppelganger of Alan Wake, which that's a whole plot hole on its own. Um, Zane uh, is this bringer of light. He's in a diving suit, which we didn't mention, but it's not that important, but we can talk about it in the gameplay sense. Um, And then, yes, Alan... Finishes his novel. He finishes the departure and ends it by saying, it's not a lake, it's an ocean. We end the entire game with a dot on the screen that turns into an ellipses. And then we hear Alice say, Alan, wake up. Mm -hmm. What the fuck?
0: (laughs) (laughs) So... Is it? Should we talk about our opinions on this now, or should we finish? Let's with
1: talk the DLC? about this now, and then we can get into the DLC. DLC is fairly short.
0: Okay. So clearly, I, if you've been listening to this at all and keeping up with us, basically, this sounds like in preparation for another Alan Wake game. Right, and because it, to it add seems, on to it, that, seems that it doesn't end.
1: Just to just to add on with the DLC, the DLC basically solidifies that idea. The DLC basically says there's an Alan Wake 2.
0: Yeah. Cuz you could maybe think about episode 6 or this last episode before the DLC that um it's like a like a Shutter Island or like so, um what's the other one? Inception I think has like like an open ending somewhat. Like there's right. these these like these little pieces like oh maybe they did that on purpose to make you kind of think about what actually happened.
1: Right. Okay. And especially since Alan doesn't resurface right Alan is he's finishing his novel but he's still in a sense he sacrificed himself he's he is where Zane is wherever that is inside the dark world wherever He's still trapped so it's like well you want to find out what happened to Alan and that's where like the idea of this ending being really open-ended and you feel like there's got to be a sequel there's all that and now knowing now that there's not a sequel it's very frustrating yeah
0: and uh yeah that's that's the part that hurts me the most about this game is that it actually was pretty fun yeah play i think it it deserves a sequel for sure yeah um Um, and especially when i mentioned earlier that it had 4.5 million copies sold since within within
1: three years of the pc release that's
0: pretty good that's good enough for a sequel
1: right especially Um, because it was exclusive to xbox and pc mm -hmm. so that's pretty good um going back a little bit because you thought that mott had his own motives i want to clarify that just between you and i Mm -hmm. um you can ask any questions but there were several manuscripts talking about how uh, mott worked for dr hartman Mm -hmm. and uh even i believe voice recordings of mott talking to dr hartman and essentially dr hartman was paying mott to get the manuscript from you because Dr. Hartman had learned from experience or something that he could manipulate the artist he was treating and make money off of it, I guess, or make them uh, have creations made by the darkness. That part's unclear. But essentially, Mott worked for Dr. Hartman um, because Dr. Hartman wanted to, I don't know, use Alan in a way.
0: It still makes me wonder how Mott was able to get Alice's voice, um, right from, I guess, uh, the phone calls because it did seem like Mott had Alice under, um, uh, uh, kidnapped. But then again, uh, it seems like maybe the darkness implanted itself into the phone call. You know, there's a lot of ways to, to answer that in a, in a way, but maybe unanswerable in the, the the game, right? So there, and this is coming up to the point of like there are some plot holes. That's kind of the the point of why I'm bringing that up. One of the more specific ones I want to bring up, and I want to see if maybe you can answer it because I never figured this out, and it's maybe because I missed some of the pages of the manuscript. Is that the point why the darkness still exists? Is that Thomas Zane? Um, cut some corners into writing his manu- his uh, novel, or basically the manuscript to prevent the darkness from coming out. Okay? And so Alan Wake's goal was to finish what Thomas Zane started. Right. But Thomas Zane had to write in that 30 years later, Alan Wake was going to come and stop the darkness, which implies that the darkness is going to exist still,
1: do you get? Do you well? Kind of so see my this issue? this is the the thing here is that is there free will in Alan Wake? <laughs> oh, that is deep. Um, right, like it goes to that level because is every move you are doing as the character pre-written?
0: And I think it was pre-written. I think right. That so was basically,
1: okay. anything that happens in Alan Wake was bound to happen regardless of what you did because it was already written which (laughs) is so basically it sounds like what happened was zane wrote his uh version right and he kind of cut some corners and so he knew he wasn't going to be able to finish because the darkness was going to take him or something right um because essentially as long if you continue the longer you're dealing with the darkness the harder it seems on it the gets stronger. It says right. that the
0: darkness is getting stronger.
1: Right. So it seemed like Zane was like, okay, I'm not going to be able to have time to really uh, button this one up. Perfect. So I'm going to write in that this other writer, Alan Wake, is going to be the one to to solve this issue. I'm,
0: I'm wondering if Thomas Zane even went to the point to say that he's a famous writer, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Like it was pre-written right, about how right. Alan Wake Was going to be.
1: Did he make Alan Wake Alan Wake? Did he make Alice? Yeah. Did he make the entire town? Is this a book? Is this world we're inhabiting Thomas Zane's world? Did he make an entire fantasy... That could then wrap itself up inside the darkness and try and solve the problem. Who and knows? In that,
0: sense, that sounds like a great book, actually.
1: <laughs> right. Like so. Then ultimately, so, Thomas Zane may have not cut corners. He wrote the ex- full extent of the novel that it could be buttoned up at the end. He wrote Alan Wake saying it's not a lake; it's an ocean. Like, and
0: this, oh. <laughs> The reason, yeah, if you put it in that sense, this is a fucking awesome uh, game that we play. Right, and I think we did hear from Cynthia Weaver that Thomas Zane was like the greatest writer of all time. Right, and like so- sounding like like more famous than um, Alan Wake, Stephen King, or Stephen Alan King, etc. And so maybe that makes sense. Like, he's such a good writer. How would he have ever forget to cut corner, Or why would he ever have cut corners right. if he's such a great writer? Right. And so to me, maybe that does sound like what the true intention of the, the book, uh, excuse me, the, the game was, was that Thomas Zane
1: wrote a spectacular novel. Right. Thomas <laughs> Zane wrote Alan Wake, The Game. And all of Alan Wake's books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like as Alan Wake is a character in Thomas Zane's book, and we're playing Alan Wake in Alan Wake's book, which is in Thomas Zane's book. <laughs> yeah, so that... I think before we get too far into it, I think we should touch on the DLC. Uh, yeah. It wasn't necessary for a review, but we wanted to go into it because just, I personally wanted to invest more time in Alan Wake because it's very interesting, mm-hmm. um, and.
0: Episode seven uh, is called The Signal. And so, this is both these episodes are very short and not in terms of pl- gameplay, but like what they bring to the story. Right. And so, what happens is Alan is, Alan Wake is still stuck in the cabin. He's in the cabin and somewhere in the dark world. Um, and you start to see that he's actually hallucinating. Now, the funny part is, is like you're inside his mind, you're like stuck in a nightmare. And you're trying to get out, and so you're working with Thomas Zane to get out of his night, this nightmare that he has. And essentially, um, the real you is trying to kill your rational thoughts. So it seems like the dark presence is battling you for, for I guess your your soul, sanity, your sanity.
1: Right. This is like, okay. So this is Inception within the world we just talked about. So Alan <laughs> exactly. Wake is in the darkness right now writing for his life he's basically trying to write until he can escape um he he, not okay so now he's writing his inner monologue about what is going on inside of himself inside of his sanity inside the darkness and so you're playing as alan wick's sanity trying to defeat the insanity inside of alan wick's mind God so damn it. It's, it's,
0: it's ridiculous.
1: And then Thomas Zane is still there, which means Thomas Zane could have written this part too. Thomas <laughs> Zane is like, you need to focus, Alan. You need to focus. And he's helping by, uh, you're in this manipulated dark world of Bright uh, Falls where things are just pretty much everything can attack you. The, the walls, the trucks, the the people, everything just wants to kill you. And the world actually is like falling apart. There's like cracks in the world where just darkness is seeping through and the world just changes. You go down one corner and then you turn around and things are completely different. Which is probably to represent your your loss of your sanity. Right. And just to represent that darkness is obviously winning, is winning. a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Um, but essentially the, the first part of the signal is just the story development is getting Alan to realize that he, (laughs) you're playing as sane part of Alan and you must go confront insane part of Alan and defeat it and win. And essentially to do that, you must get back to the cabin where you can re re incorporate your sanity with your body and then become normal again. (laughs) All within the darkness. And that's where uh, the signal kind of ends. Is just explaining what the, the DLC mission is going to be. And then the writer is uh, episode 8, DLC number 2. And that's the whole point. is to get back to your body and and get back to a sane place within the darkness where you can try and escape.
0: And it's an interesting thing that it actually wraps back around to the lighthouse that we first saw in the game. Is that your goal in order to to leave your body or I guess like where you need to initiate the ability to get back to your body is you need to head to this lighthouse that is a figment of your imagination. So that's
1: right. That's that's the signal again. That's like a metaphor for the signal. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And uh, the point is that you you go through the um, episode and eventually get to your body. You return to it and he gets his sanity back and in that cabin, he's still stuck in the cabin in the dark world but the point is that now that he has his sanity back, he's going to try and write himself back into reality and he start and in the very ending of the game you start seeing that he writes the title known as The Return. Right. So Alan Wake 2, The Return never comes. <laughs> and it, Fuck you, Microsoft. Because they, I know that uh, Remedy wanted to make right. This Remedy
1: game. really wanted, to, and and one of the owners of Remedy, which we didn't really talk about too much, is a. It's his writer name is Sam Lake. Um, his real name is like Sami Fakrashka or some Finnish name, but um, the guy who wrote this game, who's basically a, a, one of the owners of uh, Remedy. You know, he wanted to finish Alan Wick. This is his his book that he essentially wrote. So this guy, that's another thing, is that this guy wrote Thomas Zane, who wrote this book, wrote that book. Oh my God, it goes on and on. But yeah, they obviously wanted to work on Alan Wick 2. They pretty much set up the DLC to just immediately go into Alan Wick 2, where Alan would be fighting for his life in the return. Uh, but we never get there. We never get yeah.
0: there. In fact, um, what happens is, there was in episode six, there's a moment where you met your doppelganger for a second. Um, you don't know who he is, but he just like smiles there for a second and then just vanishes. And it's, uh, did it was it in episode six where it says that he's going to meet uh, Alan's family? Or was it in the DLC that... No, so in, in gonna...
1: episode six, Zane tells Thomas, or no, Thomas tells Alan um, as Alan is meeting his Essentially, darkness-controlled doppelganger. That this doppelganger is going to be the one that makes it to the real world. Um, and in which the is, DLCs, and the DLC finally mentions his name, known as Mister Scratch, which doesn't make any sense either, by the way, because there's no Alan Wake two to explain it. No. And
0: um, but here's the here's the important part. The point of it is that there is a another game called alan wake the american american nightmare. nightmare yeah and it actually goes and talks about mr scratch who was briefly mentioned for half a second
1: right so it, it, but that honestly i played american nightmare not not now but i paid it played it in the past and it's pretty much an arcade version of mm-hmm. alan wake where it's just like more enemies more fighting more shooting more gameplay um, and it it's kind of, it is related to this, to Alan Wake, but it isn't an Alan Wake 2. Correct. Not. It, this, that game was made to be,
0: was like, this is, this is kind of the idea. <laughs> Basically, Microsoft prevented Alan
1: Wake 2 from coming out and they asked him to make other games. They made and him they make st- Quantum Break. That, yeah. that is the game that Microsoft said, no, no Alan Wake 2 right now, make Quantum Break.
0: And they still pushed actually to make an Alan Wake 2 even years later, after Quantum Break. And so the answer they were able to get was the arcade version, American Nightmare. And I believe that game was like on some Game Pass or
1: something like that that you could play. It, yeah, it was Xbox. on the Xbox Arcade. It it came out actually before Quantum Break, I believe. But Yeah, it's definitely um, not it's okay. not what you want it to be. It's not I, anything close.
0: And uh, my point, the reason why I'm bringing it up, why it's so important, is that it takes a lot of elements that they wanted to bring to Alan Wake two, um, in uh, American Nightmare. Because I, like I said, I don't, I haven't played it. Quinn says he's played it. It's, uh, did it have any sort of like sandboxy ish type of ideas? Yeah,
1: there were there were some. The thing that I would say is that it was like a bunch of half baked ideas thrown mm-hmm. in. That, that's and, the point. And it was cheaper. It was like a $20 game as opposed to like a full-price game. It was this arcade and my,
0: game. My my bet was that the doppelganger may have played a, a much more sophisticated role. Right. Or maybe uh, something else had it continued
1: right. um, with Alan Wake 2. And another thing to bring up, too, is that Control might be the place they got out a lot of these ideas because control is kind of like a castlevania open world game a little bit Mm. so i think some of these ideas they wanted to use for alan wake Two made it into control because we might not ever see an alan wake 2 hopefully we do i i hope that we get an alan wake 2 because the the everything about it is very unique and we're going to talk about it we're going to talk about the unique aspects of this game but story yeah, wise, the, there needs yeah. to be an Alan Wake two, or I'm gonna just never be satisfied with the ending. So right, it's very unsatisfying. And that's
0: that's one big knock on for this game knockoff, is that this game and it's needs only a unsatisfying
1: because it says essentially Alan Wake two is a game, and then there, it it doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> it hurts.
0: That's it hurts the, a lot.
1: if there was an Alan Wake two, the ending would be totally satisfying to me. But damn, it's it's disappointing.
0: All right, you ready to move on to gameplay? Yeah, let's go. So, Alan Wake is a third-person action-adventure game, which is a loose genre name for it, because if we talk about the the gameplay a little bit more specifically, it's not super action-y. There are action parts in the game, but, I mean... It's not like a, I don't know, a Call of Duty game or anything like that.
1: Uh, I think a, a, the shooting. epitome of like action games would be like Uncharted, right? You're not okay. jumping around. You're not swinging from vines or anything. You're pretty much walking <laughs> the entire yeah. time. Walking or running. And
0: your, your running is limited as well. And it um, it sucks too. <laughs> So uh, let's just spoilers here. The gameplay is really fun in some ways, but at the same time, it's definitely, one, dated, and two, not the best. See, I act- I
1: disagree. Oh, uh,
0: let's talk into this. Okay, so to give you a little bit of background about Alan Wake's gameplay, basically your job is to get from point A to point B, which is... Um, you, you i don't know you start somewhere and then you try to get to some light it's, it's very the linear game <laughs> yeah, yeah it's extremely linear and you have to you have two types of uh i guess mechanics in the game to in order to destroy uh the enemies that get in your way which is a flashlight which burns away essentially the shield or the darkness that protects them from being uh killed because at the moment if they are Excuse me, if they have a shroud of darkness around them, it is they're invulnerable. Right.
1: Previously when Chase was talking about how like there's particle effects on enemies, like if they have the particle particle effects on them, you cannot damage them. Except, literally... Here's
0: a here's a fun part is that you can actually kill monsters or these taken by shooting them off ledges and they'll die that right. way if as they, well. If
1: they fall, they're gone. There's yeah. no way for them to teleport up. Yeah.
0: Which which is interesting because um it doesn't make sense <laughs> there's right. a it's it shouldn't make sense in the game that they should be able to die they should have at least respawned because they're they're taken they 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 spawn magically as it is by the right. dark. they just come out of the shadows like yeah. they just appear so why is it that they can die just because um oh he fell off the cliff goodbye yeah, yeah <laughs> the shadows should be able to help the fact that you are able to take off the shadows with the light is the important fact as to why you can kill them. And that, to me, makes more sense with the gameplay than them just dying by falling off a ledge. Now, you generally use a gun of some form. You have multiple kinds. You have a revolver, and you have a shotgun and a hunting rifle.
1: But you can only use... You only have four slots for these things. Right, so you can have two grenades, which is going to be a flare and a Mm flashbang. You have a flare gun... And then you either have a rifle or a shotgun and then you ha- always have your revolver.
0: Yeah. So always a revolver, always a shotgun or hunting rifle. You always pick from those. Although specifically we actually can go more specific than that is that you can have specific types of shotguns. You can have, right. the there are several shot different shotgun. shotguns. Yeah. Is there, I think there's only two, but um, there's the, the pump shotgun and the two, two and the shot. Pump. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think the hunting rifle gets anything upgraded but no. that's like a really good version of that's like a medium version of the shotgun because it does kill very quickly but it has limited ammo
1: and right then you like have... the shotgun is the, the weird thing that i was looking into um is that the enemies don't really have health bars right like even in the in game like even in the technical sense i don't believe they have health bars they just have like did you hit them twice? Did you hit them three times? Mm-hmm. Did you hit them with a big gun or did you hit them with a small gun? Um, and some sometimes
0: like they would die with two or three shots on your shotgun, which would be a little weird because you'd think that um,
1: those ones should die with only two shots, but sometimes they only die with three. So I'm right. wondering. So if So I a bit never of had inconsistencies then. though. I never had inconsistencies. If I shot a big guy with a shotgun, he needed three shots to die. Mm-hmm. If I shot him with a rifle, he needed two shots to die. If Were I there... shot him with a pistol, it, he needed either six shots or, seven. or if he was a or well, no, he either needed six shots or nine shots depending mm. on. Oh, he's the chainsaw guy, right? Or he needed twelve shots if he was a quote unquote like boss. Yeah, which doesn't really exist in this game. I will say it's like they are. You can
0: call them bosses,
1: right? But they but they're can not dispose special. You them fairly quick. Yeah,
0: they're, like usually when I think of a boss. There's some special mechanic that you need in order to defeat them, and they get defeated more or less the same. Right,
1: but in addition to firearms, the other, the main, I guess, weapon you're using is your flashlight, like you said, and it needs batteries to recharge. And you get several different flashlights over the course of the game, and uh, you get several different ways to use light to burn away the darkness from enemies, whether it's your flares or flare gun or just lights around the world and the flare
0: gun is the best weapon in the game
1: oh it's so it, basically it bypasses the rule of having to remove the darkness from an enemy and then shoot them it just if the flare goes off and explodes everything just dies around it.
0: and what's really cool sometimes is that if you do it just right it'll slow down and then it'll uh shoot towards the enemy very slowly and then kill them so it makes it more cinematic right oh there are like
1: slow-mo with with the flare for whatever reason the flare has like slow-mo shots yeah
0: yeah so i thought that was that was fun so like because if you do it just right you're gonna fuck their day right and
1: yeah no matter how big of an enemy they're usually going down in one shot
0: and flares are extremely important in this game like if if the first if the best weapon in the game is the flare gun the most important weapon in the game is the uh flare because as useful as the flashlight is, because the flashlight has such a small range in order to kill your enemies, or not kill, excuse me, remove the shroud and prevent right. them from attacking you, uh, the flare forces everyone to move back. Because you are eventually going to get surrounded in this game by multiple enemies, and the only way really to ta- to prevent them from attacking you is to have the flare. Right. Or if you have the fla- uh, flashbang. But I mean, the flare is the one that's more often uh, Yeah, you're usually
1: utilized. given flares. You're not, you're rarely given flashbangs as those are like, usually it's in a, in a situation where you're like at a military thing or like at a right. police station um, or you find like a cop car or something. But you're, you're usually not using flashbangs. You're going to use flares. And you can also throw them on the ground too. So you could pretty much like, throw a flare on the ground in front of you if you're like backed into a corner so that they move further away and you can reload your weapon instead of having to like hold it in your hand and walk at the enemies which is interesting. oh you were too. able to hold it yeah you could just hold it down holy shit i never knew that <laughs> <laughs> oh, i always wow. just
0: i always just let them go immediately
1: no you could just hold them and walk around <laughs> well You learn something new every day. I didn't
0: realize you can hold the button and it holds it. It just, to me, it it was just a one click thing. And I was so used to that because of like the flash bangs and then shooting is just a one click. It's not like you hold the button. And so for me, it was just that idea that you're, you're not supposed to hold the button.
1: Well, an additional thing to flashlights before we move on is that your flashlight on its own doesn't lose battery and it can slowly whittle away the darkness on different enemies But you have to intensify the battery to really burn away darkness quick. And that's what eats up your battery. And that's why batteries play an important role is that some enemies even require you to use your enhanced flashlight, Mm -hmm. um, which chews up battery pretty quick.
0: And it it makes the game interesting because in most cases, when you're going through uh, this game, you do not have unlimited ammo. You do not have unlimited flares. You do not have unlimited batteries. Right. Uh, You have to work with what you got and make sure to optimize it. Because let's say you miss some shots. There was a point in the game. It was in episode two. You even had this issue where you run out of ammo and um, you have to run from them. But the problem with running in this game is you cannot outrun them. You can run, but you will never outrun them because they are always faster than you. So you have to really make sure that your shots are on target You don't waste your batteries. You take your time to uh, recharge it if you have to. So, and there's even some points where, like, if you stay somewhere too long, this isn't always the case, but in 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 a few instances, the enemies will respawn. Right. And so you're fucked if that happens because now you're running. You're wasting more ammo.
1: Right. If you try and backtrack. Like, if you, if you had a save point, or or let's say a lamppost, this is another thing, is that lampposts um, provide light, but they also are a checkpoint, and they fully heal you. So let's say you're in, in a battle, you beat the, the other enemies, but you want to heal yourself, so you go back to that lamppost. Mm-hmm. Because that's like a checkpoint, it might respawn those enemies, and then you just wasted a bunch of ammo for nothing. So you kind of always have to be moving forward. Yeah. Another thing to mention is that there are a lot of collectibles in this game, and one of the most important collectibles is manuscripts, and manuscripts uh, tell you more about the story. We actually talked about this a little bit in the story, is that, yeah, Alan Wake is writing a manuscript, and it tells more about the story, and so finding all of those manuscripts are definitely worthwhile. You also have TVs, radios, thermoses, cans, and clocks, as well as game cartridges, and you can talk about those, Chase. (laughs) <laughs> the games and the cartridges. Pfft, no, did, yeah, all they were terrible. All, talk about all of them, yeah. Um,
0: so, uh, we mentioned in the development that you can get the collectible thermoses, and it was a representation of Twin Peaks. A which, reference to Twin a Peaks, A reference, yeah. I should say. Yeah, and uh, I have, I've never watched Twin Peaks, but I mean there is a Twin Peaks mountain in the game. Yeah. So I mean there is a lot of uh, uh, reference references to that TV series the tvs and the radio stuff were far more interesting than the thermoses the cans and the clocks those were all useless those are just like straight up simple collectibles you just pick them up and that's it the tvs and the radios were super interesting because the tv you would sometimes get a peek into um what alan wake was doing during the time uh he was gone for a week Okay, because he was working on the manuscript and the dark presence was making him go crazy. And so he would actually be able to see on the TV what he was doing at that time. And then in the DLC, it it was uh, also when he was in the cabin, but when he was going insane. And so whenever you would watch stuff on the TV, those things would come true because he was writing it at that time period. And so uh, you would get like uh, tremors or... uh, these what are they called those um inanimate objects uh, attacking you that got touched by the dark presence which is a little weird but whatever works and uh they would attack you uh by being by being prophesized by your
1: insane self but going back to the collectibles there were collectibles uh where you could turn on tvs and when you turn on these tvs they would show an episode of night springs Mm. And those were very specific to the collectibles where you could watch all these live action episodes. They're probably like short two, three minute, um, not even two, three minutes, maybe like a a minute and a half. Did you watch all of them? Because I kind of gave up after 30 seconds or so. Uh, The ones that I did find, I did watch all the way through. And they were very weird. And I also want to praise Remedy for having so many live action things in their game like not only did they have to make the game they hired like a production team to go film all this stuff to put in the game they filmed their own like parody of the twilight zone as collectibles that's pretty cool
0: do you remember when there was a point where you're watching a flashback uh when alan wake is at his old apartment and he turns on the tv and then goes on to the show um like it's a kind of like um
1: it's a late night talk show yeah
0: yeah who did you do you think the guy that was playing the act because that was live action right and the guy in there was supposed to be
1: alan wake do
0: you think they got the finished guy to play that
1: character yeah he's Um, he's alan wake the the role the live action alan wake is in the game so much
0: so I know he speaks English. That's not the issue I'm having, but the person who did the voice acting for Alan Wake is different from the one who did the live action. So, do you think they dubbed? Uh, oh yeah, they dubbed him okay.
1: every every time he appears on in the game. It's dubbed. Um, was it originally in Finnish? The game, no. But I'm I'm saying I, you said it's it, the model and the voice actor are different people. Um, but they have a
0: live action portion where it's a real live But the live action is dubbed. Okay, that's what I was double checking. That's all I was right. asking. Okay. All the all the live actions are dubbed. Okay. I thought, um they they really my, my point was is that they really made sure to be meticulous about Right, and you got to think details. about it too is
1: that they had all these voice lines in the bag before recording these live action things. Mm-hmm. Which means they were really on top of their stuff and the other thing too i don't want to keep mentioning this but control control also has live action uh videos which is kind of crazy like they really like putting live action stuff in there and i think it's because it's like a little parody to them right it's like little jokes they can put in like they had the actual writer of the game Mm -hmm. on that late night episode that you were talking about uh he was this other character uh, that was being interviewed and he didn't talk at all. They just said like, <laughs> "Oh, give us the look, give us the look," and he like made this weird smile, <laughs> and it's like, "What is going on?"
0: Yeah, I remember actually. You mentioned when you were playing the game uh, in the first episode or two, when you were in the police department, you saw some pictures on the wall that were right. of
1: um, developers. Some of the developers, right? yeah, yeah. So it they was, they like to it's do like, like wanted these posters, like saying that these people. You know they were missing or wanted and stuff like that, and just pictures of these random Finnish people. I'm assuming.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was really cool. Like they, they these people seem very intimate about their project. Like they, they, they're not like EA, right? <laughs> well, well even too the many fact people that working. The,
1: the writer is Sam Lake, and then the character is Alan Wake. Like I feel like this is this is definitely Remedy's baby in a lot of mm-hmm. cases. They. Yeah, and I don't know
0: if every game gets the same care, but we definitely see in Alan Wake that there is a lot of care in this game, and they really wanted to make an Alan Wake too. <laughs> right. Um,
1: so they did have some driving mechanics in the game as well, and I did not we, like yeah, them. Yeah, we talked about this a little bit. They they weren't the best. They weren't. They were okay, you know. Like for a game that's not about driving, it was okay. I don't know if this is a good comparison, but it felt like um,
0: the original Halo. Like, if I remember the original Halo, when you get into the Warthog, um, right. you would have a lot of issues with, excuse me, drag. Okay. And so that drag, like, if it gets too much, then it flips your car over. Uh, or your Warthog, in that case. And in this game, it had that as well. Like, you, if you got a little bit if you just deviated a little bit with your controller, or I guess in your case, it'd be the mouse or however the driving works in that game. If you deviated a little bit too much, it started getting worse. If you try to recorrect it, uh, and then you, you may flip or you may, um, uh, hit a wall, which would make it really bad, especially if enemies were surrounding you or in the DLC, you actually had to fight off, um, inanimate objects. You possessed
1: like construction thing. Or yeah. they're monster trucks, weren't they? Yeah. Possessed and that one monster was trucks.
0: Really fucking annoying. Right. For me at least. It, it it bothered me so much to have to deal with those. Um so what I eventually did was I said fuck the cars. I just pressed the I, I got the car, pressed the button got back in the car, and then drove into the um uh <laughs> oh, the, <yeah. laughs> you're right,
1: right. Oh that's funny.
0: Yeah, so I, I just couldn't kill him I just didn't know it just it was making it too difficult um the car to 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 work well with
1: right using the luckily that didn't show up too much it was only really in the DLC where you had to fight enemies in a car uh everything else was pretty much just like trying to get you from one location to the next yeah. um and you fight like small mobs which you could just run over and it wasn't a big deal but yeah, yeah the so that's larger the good enemies, news it didn't
0: bother too much it's just it it just could have been better
1: Right and the the one thing to mention is that the mechanics I think completely change in the DLC. The last episode of Alan Wake at the very end of the game you are introduced to a new mechanic that is becomes the mechanic in DLCs where you shine your light on words in the environment And then once you essentially take the darkness away from those words, they become whatever that word was. So if you shined your light on the word bird, once you quote-unquote killed the word bird, a bird would fly away. Or if you saw ammo, you would shine your light on ammo and ammo would reappear or recharge. You would get more batteries, pump, you would get a pump shotgun, etc. But that really goes to a wild place in the DLCs where you'll just see the word boom or... (laughs) uh like enemy or taken or like Um, weird clear
0: clear was used clear uh, the lighthouse killing a bunch of your um
1: taken friends (laughs) right so you could clear rocks um there was turret that was used once (laughs) it wasn't a turret was it no it was called the word was turret but it was just like a normal lamp (laughs)
0: I guess it is a turret in a sense because it constantly beams them. Right, with it light. constantly but beams I mean. light,
1: so it's, like, kind of a turret, but no. it was. No,
0: it was kind of funny. I was like, what?
1: Yeah, so that mechanic is, like, only in the DLC, and the DLC introduces, like, a lot of weird mechanics. Like, the lighthouse uh, sequence we're talking about, which is at the eighth episode, the last DLC, where you're running along this really long path, and instead of fighting enemies, you want to use the lighthouse's beam, which is going up and down the path, to kill the enemies, because your normal flashlight is not going to be enough. So what you mm-hmm. have to do is you clear these big boulders that are shadowing the path so that the lighthouse can shine its beam and kill all these enemies. And that's one thing I wanted to talk about as well, is I found the, the DLC to be a lot more difficult and more combat intensive did you feel that at all um like i felt yes like there was a clear no. step up from alan wake like in alan wake it I became didn't,
0: more complicated
1: i wouldn't and even say re- that I, I didn't feel like i needed to use my secondary like shotgun or rifle in the main game at all oh well or use I batteries
0: like i had to use a lot of batteries constantly uh, in the game, in order to, um, I guess, keep up with the constant use of the boosting of the, the flashlight mm. in the beginning. What made the DLC far more interesting was that they added like mazes to it, specifically. Well, I don't want to even call it a maze, but like, you know how in like the last episode, the house would flip over and there was a part of the game right. where you had to drop down in order to make sure. Uh, cuz the the house was flipping constantly like going in
1: uh um So it wasn't a house it was like a Ferris wheel with bunch of story uh scenes in it it was right. very weird
0: and so it add, those were added a lot more so it seemed like and i actually like this in a lot of ways because the dlc seemed to add more um interesting mechanics to the game right. rather than just shooting and killing um which seemed to be the case after episode three or so like everything seemed to be understood completely from episode three on and you knew everything what was going right to happen. you were
1: there was going to be no more surprises on how the game was going yeah. to work you were pretty much after that point you were just playing the same game and you were just trying to get through to get to the story right. there was one point where there was like a puzzle um at the power plant but that was like the only puzzle I ever saw. Uh,
0: what was that puzzle? Um, where you had
1: to get the oh water about dams about the to line up so you could cross
0: all of them. Yeah, you just, yeah. I, you know what's funny? I didn't even think about like how it worked. Pro- um, like to think about it, you know, how it worked. I just went one, two, three, and then it worked. It was super easy.
1: Oh, I think you were supposed to do like one, two, three, two, one, but sure. <laughs> no, it, um, I only pressed three buttons wow that, that, impressive yeah felt good about it good about um it. but yeah there were some like i said the dlc you'll, and you said is that it gets kind of weird with the you got the ferris wheel of different levels you have to run through as a whole all these buildings are turning upside down but the part right before that i didn't really like there was definitely there is, a lot
0: less story content comparatively to like right. like there was a reward for getting through the mobs in the other episodes whereas right. this one it just felt like i and this is where i can agree with you it's like i just killed some stuff and then i killed more stuff like yeah
1: dead. there's just a lot of stuff to kill now or like the the portion where you're running through a bunch of telephone posts mm-hmm. that have lamps on them and like there's just mobs everywhere spawning oh. and you're just like uh, kill me what's going on yeah. here uh, or the another portion I didn't really like was where you're going from Dr. Hartman's lodge to, from the clinic and you're trying to go to the lighthouse and you're oh, like, "My God!" you're in the air and you're spawning in assets from the game <laughs> like it just says the word rock and you spawn in the asset for rock and then there's another rock and it looks identical and you, you have to build a pathway and I was just like, oh man this does not feel as interesting as i wanted to be like you were just floating in the air building some crappy forge yeah, it world a little empty
0: though the one thing i didn't like also relating back to hartman was when you got fucked by a bunch of um objects inanimate objects right. like yeah i was when it was heavily introduced where you just would get attacked by these inanimate objects and here here's here's the reason why i don't like the objects and it relates to the character uh, the enemies that you fight because here's a mechanic flaw that I that I saw I don't know if you agree one of the flaws in the game is that it, if you get hit and you get hit by a a, a taken that can do multiple hits you are fucked if there's another enemy that can also do multiple hits next to you because if one hits you multiple times then the other one's going to hit you multiple times. Then the other guy recovers and hits you multiple times and you can't escape.
1: Right. You can get staggered and uh, stagger locked pretty much. You can get locked in the state where you can't escape.
0: And so if um, you're getting hit by that and there's inanimate objects, the inanimate objects do fuck tons more damage than the uh, the dagger people, the ones who hit you with daggers. Right. Right. Um, And so you'll die immediately. And I remember instances where that happened, where I, I had died several times because I got into a position that I was getting fucked by multiple sides.
1: Right. And so how the inanimate objects work is they pretty much just hover in place. And then after a given period of time, they just launch themselves at you. And, yeah, I felt like it just didn't seem all that thought out. Like, from a story perspective, I guess it makes sense, right? If an an inanimate object was going to attack you, it would just kind of fling itself at you. Yeah, we
0: saw it in the Dark Presence being able to um, make trees and roads just collapse. So it makes sense that there'd be some way to add in-game things happening outside of the background to affect you. And that was their answer. So it makes sense story-wise. But But yeah, mechanically, it's not
1: that fun. It's not that fun to fight things that are just launching themselves at you. Um, The enemies were fun, I thought, because it was... You could strategize a little bit, and it was like you were fighting something. The animate objects feel exactly that. They're just like a goddamn book being thrown at your head. Like, (laughs) it's not it's like the an enemy will shoot something at you right in a game an enemy will shoot something at you and the point is to like go kill that enemy this you're just fighting bullets they're just bullets being thrown at you and you just have to kill them and it's, i don't know it's not the I, most fun
0: i think this could have been more answered so the fact i agree that like if you strategize more you even if you're getting hoarded by a bunch of uh taken enemies you can the, once you die, the next time you go through it, they, they spawn in a similar manner. They have right. they're not randomized. So you can learn from it and make sure to to plan how you're gonna do it, like where do I put my flashlight first, etc.? So that's not an issue. But because of the inanimate objects and how the staggering works in this game, they needed to add something where if you did get staggered, you can press the dodge button and then get out somehow because your dodge button temporarily is unusable once you get hit hit. well so the thing
1: was you could definitely strategize against the inanimate objects like you there was only one portion in the game where i felt like it was unfair because you were just in a open zone and there Mm. were like six of them and so you couldn't really dodge all of them and that was the only really cheap portion but everything else if you find a telephone pole and just stand stand behind behind it it. you were invincible (laughs) like these inanimate objects would just hit the post and then float and then hit the post and then float and it was just like that that's also made it feel even worse because it's like well not only does it feel bad getting hit it feels bad even fighting these things because it just there was no really reward all i had to do was stand behind a post and fly shine my flashlight you know
0: yeah it it, it, maybe it felt like cheap in the game or cheesing
1: it, yeah it made the game a little bit cheaper just in those points and luckily that's not a huge portion of the game
0: no and and as we've talked about in a very long conversation about this story the story really um keeps you in this game so even right. if sometimes the gameplay isn't always you know up to snuff um, you're still in my opinion you're you're enthralled with right. the story
1: well, that does it for mechanics, I think. Do you want to go into pacing and UI design? Yeah, let's do it.
0: So we talked about this a little bit, but this game was literally set up as a season one, okay? And the design was essentially that it would be a six-episode television-like series. And then I think a lot of TV shows sometimes had this. I know I saw uh, Lucifer do this. They had a couple extra special episodes that... Um, continued on with the story or some way or added a little bit more about the characters or something like right.
1: that. Right? Some, you know, some TV shows if they're not on during like the winter or something, they'll still have like a special Christmas episode or something yeah. like, so it, it, it was set up like a season and we were supposed to get a season two. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. You're going to hear this a lot from us about how salty we are about wanting an Alan Wake
1: two. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but something cool yeah. about the episode is that when, when you would finish an episode, you'd get the end screen to pop up and just be like end of episode one. And then you'd have some music playing in the background for several minutes. And they, and were, good. they were really good. They are really cool. And it felt like a relief to me. Like after going through like an hour to two hour chunk of gameplay, and then you finally hit this like conclusion for that episode, it felt good to just be like, All right, now I don't have to shoot anything for a bit. I can just wait here for a couple minutes if I want, listen to the music. Yeah, and it was like five minutes long, too, like each
0: uh, Right, like three to five minutes long. Like, you really relaxed. You enjoyed your break.
1: Right. And then when you started the new episode, you'd get a previously on Alan Wake recap video explaining what happened throughout the last episodes that you were playing, which I thought was pretty cool. It didn't really help me in particular because I was playing through multiple episodes at a time. Mm -hmm. Um, but I could definitely see like if you wanted to make use of the length of this game, you could definitely go go one episode at a a time. Yeah, maybe this should have been done in
0: eight sittings. Like this was meant for people who maybe have a life, um, right, and have a job, right, like. Or, or have you know normal jobs nine to five jobs right where they only have a few hours of time to be able to do this and then you can go through it. you're gonna forget stuff um, especially with how complicated. you know it's not that complicated in one sense, but at the same time, if you really want to understand the story of this game, it's very complicated right. especially when you're you're like a story within a story within a story. Well, yeah
1: who knows how <laughs> many stories deep we go but yes, it's definitely like I thought it was good. Regardless of if it was all that useful, I liked this setup of like once an episode is done, you have a breather and you have a recap the following episode.
0: The only small issue I had and uh, you had it as well was episode two was just a little too long in our opinion compared to the others. Um, And maybe it did seem like in episode two, there was a cutoff point that could have worked where it could have been an extra episode or something like that. Because each episode, as Quinn mentioned, was only about an hour too long. And that one felt like, I think, four hours. It was quite long, that
1: second episode. Oh, I don't think it was four hours. But I think it was definitely like two and a half hours, maybe. Well, especially the first one was a lot shorter. So just, Mm -hmm. I think, coming off the first one, it felt too long. And then it being a little bit longer than the rest made the other ones feel doable even maybe those were I, maybe argued. it was
0: really long because i kept fucking dying in episode two that's possible too
1: <laughs> and that also that could just be um due to the fact that it was the f- you know one of the first episodes episode one really wasn't all that gameplay intensive but episode two was mm-hmm. basically they yeah. let you loose in the world and maybe i felt like i was being very cautious um at the beginning of the game and then i realized like i had infinite batteries basically and infinite <laughs> ammo for whatever reason, I think I was just, I think it's easier to shoot people on PC. I I think I only missed one shot in the entire game and it was in the DLC. But yeah, so I felt like I was totally capable and I didn't, that caution kind of dissolved after episode two and maybe that allowed me to go faster throughout the world. Mm
0: -hmm. Going into a bit of the UI, the user interface, um, there were only a few things that you could see on your screen. It wasn't that uh, intensive or, or cluttery. You would have your flashlight bar and your ammo amount, and those were. And then one other thing was the map slash quest direction. Those were the only things you would be able to see. So your upper left had the the map thing, which I really want to talk about because it, I think it could have been better. Um, and then you had your flashlight bar, which was necessary to know if you needed to replace your batteries against the enemies, and you had your ammo to know if you needed to quickly
1: um, uh, restock your weapon right and i think this ui really worked well for the game because the main focus of the game for me was i had mentioned this in the past was the light and the light was in the center of the screen and so i didn't really need to look at my ammo i didn't really need to look at my battery or anything i just wanted to see what was in front of me especially in like a horror thriller type of game where the enemy could be anywhere you kinda wanna have space around your character to see what's going on. So I felt like I was totally fine with the UI. I I only had a
0: small issue with the quest direction because there's a little yellow icon in the upper left hand corner which tell you is tells you exactly where to go every single time. Like as long as you followed that, that was all you had to do. Like, it made it feel a little linear more than it felt like it should have been. Because I know it's supposed to be linear, but then, like, with that yellow marking, it kind of felt like it it really took away the like the facade or, like, the shadow, that you, the shade that you would see, like, oh, this ah, gotcha. isn't linear. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, like it, it you,
1: took away the mystery of other possibilities besides that right. route. Like,
0: I don't mind linear games because a lot of games are very linear. But the thing is it's really helpful when a game doesn't feel that way. And right. When it's not holding happening.
1: your hand the whole time.
0: Mm-hmm. And so maybe I think of something interesting that they maybe could have done. It may have worked in the story because it, they had Thomas Zane and uh, his, his lights essentially guiding your path in some ways is that they use the light somehow to kind of direct you where to go rather than a yellow um, icon telling you where to go. Cause right. uh, there were points in the game where it was just all darkness and you had to use the um, the icon in the upper left-hand corner to know where you were going. And maybe if it were, there were like lidded paths or something, like you know someone's trying to help you may have added more to the story or the gameplay rather than um, solving an issue that seems like not enough attention was put into. Right. That was my reasoning.
1: Well, I, I can agree with a little bit there um i don't think the map was necessarily necessary i guess necessarily necessary but i never had an issue finding out where to go and i felt there were times where there were lights guiding me to where i needed to be there Um, were so i never really i never really had that issue but what i did have was because i felt like it was pretty easy to pick up where to go I would often go in a different direction and try and find secrets. And there's nothing. often all, yeah, often there aren't things to find. And that yeah. was something that was uh, that that broke, broke the veil for me of this mystery mysterious forest, right? You're walking around at night and you're like in the forest trying to survive, etc. The idea that I could walk around in the forest and there's nothing that would take me out of the game that would be like okay i'm in a game these are my boundaries for this arena and i just have to move on to the next thing and there yeah. was nothing so to find there was i even found like a hole in the world where i could see through infinitely <laughs> oh seriously dang i didn't know that they, there was there was one glitch. little uh, no actually it, it was i feel like this was an easter egg of some sort but it wasn't like labeled or anything but there was mm-hmm. a a single flare sticking up out of this weird indent in the world where mm. you could like see weird things and there was a single flare and someone must have put it there just to be like yeah we know this exists i don't know <laughs> um
0: okay i i i get that the maybe that didn't bother you as much so yeah as fair. an elite gamer <laughs> <it> didn't <laughs> bother me yeah <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I think that's about it for for this area. It's It was done pretty well and it needed to be done this way in a very linear way as compared to what um, Remedy was t- intending to do as a sandbox game because this game was super story heavy. And so this pacing um, was done pretty well, I think. And I agree. So I think that's enough to move on to the sound. What do you think?
1: Yeah, so sound, let's start off with music. Um, Most of the music is just like creepy, eerie stuff when it just comes to the actual gameplay. Like there's not specific songs playing besides the one instance um, where Children of the Elder God is playing, which is a in-game, it's a song made by a rock band in the game. And that's playing when you're at the Anderson Brothers farm on their stage fighting all the baddies. It's playing a song called Children of the Elder God which is, you know, that was fun. That was cool. That was an interesting musical experience, but mostly it's just the horror vibes songs in the background besides for the Children of the Elder Gods as well as the Poet and the Muse, which is also at the Anderson farm, and then the songs played at the end of every episode.
0: Yeah, um, the thing that I really liked about it was the music at the end of the episodes honestly yeah
1: that that was definitely in terms of Uh, musical highlights those were the the good parts yeah because those are the ones
0: i actually remember the first and last episode especially especially those musics were really good the first episode had something about the sandman and it really played into um like him waking up from a nightmare and then going back into one constantly, like it really related to the Sandman and right. like it the dreaming and stuff
1: like that. Each song then, was definitely hand selected for each episode. Yes,
0: like there, like there. I don't know if there was a theme to each episode. I I didn't delve that deeply in, but there must have been a connection between each music piece that they used and the episode. And my my favorite one. Which I'm surprised that they had the money to do this. I guess maybe working with Microsoft gets you these privileges. Is they oh, had that's a good point. Uh,
1: what? I said that's a good point. I didn't even think about that. Microsoft yeah. could have been the ones that are like, hey, yeah, you can put extra stuff in your game now. We're paying you.
0: Yeah, because uh, it sounds to me like "Space Oddity" by David Bowie. You know, Major Tom, that song, like that was played at the end of the uh, sixth episode and where the credits were hitting, and that was a really good song because it's like. Alice is just uh, finally free, but then um, Alan isn't there. And so it's like Major Tom, I think it's like saying, are you there or something like that? Well, like so like the, it,
1: it, the song's about this astronaut that's basically lost in space and is going to die. And it's like his last communication with yeah. the world. And, and so <laughs> it's it's the same thing. It's Alan Wake. That's what he's doing. Yeah. It, that's, that was like a great... Um,
0: a great music piece to add to the end of that.
1: Yeah. Okay. I think the music definitely really fit. Yeah. Moving on to voice and dialogue and all that stuff. How'd you feel? I think it was done remarkably well. Um, I'm trying to
0: think if I had any issues with certain people and I can't think of any issues. Um, Even the Taken had voice lines or, or dialogue in the game. Well, I don't even want to call it dialogue because it's more like a
1: monologue. It is yeah. Where
0: uh, they would talk in gibberish so they had... Uh, and it made sense in the game that they would... Um, some of them would not have the ability to talk because the, the dark presence took them over. You had a lot of characters where you can, like, sit in on their conversations and... Um, learn a little bit about the background of the game in that
1: way conversations happening over the mm-hmm. radio um i think the main thing for me is at least the voice actor for alan wake was good because he is talking the whole goddamn game yeah and it was great like i had no issues with
0: him talking he did the manuscripts right. oh the he manuscripts did all the manuscripts
1: great. he narrated the story uh, all the recaps he he was just talking the whole damn time um the only th- i don't know i didn't i
0: can't say any issues like the birds were annoying as fuck but they weren't annoying because of the sounds that they made they were just
1: annoying motherfuckers yeah the birds were kind of annoying for sure that, yeah. i think that's because the birds were as an enemy which we didn't really talk about too much in the gameplay but as an enemy the birds i think were the scariest because (laughs) they they could fuck you up the worst like you could be in the middle of a battle against normal human enemies and then the birds would come and you'd be like fucked (laughs)
0: because they don't they don't do that much damage but their staggering really fucks you over right and there's like because because it's a whole mass of
1: birds right it's a whole flock of birds flying at you so you're just kind of stunned until they're gone and they could come at any time The the only thing that would if you're looking in their general direction they'd fly away so you just kind of had to either look in their general direction um and that was also annoying for me but that's gameplay so we've already gone over that one thing that i thought was really cool that i didn't actually notice until like maybe halfway through the game was that if you saw there is secret writing on some of the like trees and rocks and stuff pointing you in the direction of secret stashes that would give you ammo etc to answer like where that comes from that's coming
0: from Cynthia Weaver. We Cynthia Weaver, right. the lady of light. She was putting um these pieces of writing that can only be seen by people who've been touched by the darkness and it helped allow you to find the path to safety
1: or like in the game it was the well lit room. Right. Um and it had like the same logo as the power plant like it was mm-hmm. very dedicated to her but Every time you would see any of this secret writing, you would hear this breathing in the background. And I always... I had no idea what that was. And I always felt like, was it Alan Wake breathing really heavily? But after about halfway through the game, I realized that it was Zane in his diving Mm -hmm. suit breathing. Um, And the reason why Zane's in his diving suit, which we didn't really talk about in the story aspect, was that he just... When he wrote himself out of existence, he jumped into the lake in a diving suit with the, he, the woman, Barbara. He also Barbara. loved diving. Right. He was also a diver. But mm-hmm. the reason why hes I feel like he's in still in a diving suit is because that's how he ended his life, quote unquote. I mean, he did kill his muse. Oops. Sorry. Well, what are you going to do? My, I
0: hit my mic. Um, yeah. I think that's pretty much it in terms of voice. I can't add anything else. I think it was done very well. So yeah, I think good. we can move on. So our last um, topic or the last area of our review is replayability. And this game has not that much replayability aspects in it, honestly. It's got DLC. So, I mean, that's good That because the DLC didn't come immediately after the game came out. It took some time later. And so there, you, if you had bought the game new... You got those two episodes for free. You got one
1: for free and you had to pay for the other one.
0: one. Oh, sorry, sorry. Apologize for that. You got
1: the first episode for free and then you had to buy the second one for $7. But if you had the game used, you had to buy the first one for $20 and the yeah. second one for $7, which was kind of ridiculous. A little ridiculous. Especially,
0: especially with how much they gave. It didn't give that much. Right. So the fact that it was $27 was ridiculous.
1: Yeah, um, for but pretty much it is three hours of content.
0: If it was free, like us, because we got it on the Epic Games Store, um, where it was free. Or if you're really lucky, maybe you can get on Steam for 4 bucks. I don't know if that includes the DLC. God hopes it does. Um, it, it isn't too much. And going into the game itself to replay it, the only reason why you would do it would be to collect all the manuscripts. That would probably be the most in, uh, valuable aspect as compared to the other collectible items that you can get in the game because the manuscripts actually tell a story
1: right and the manuscripts a lot of them are actually locked behind nightmare mode which is the hard difficulty of the game and -hmm. you can't actually get those manuscripts unless in nightmare mode so i think that's pretty much the biggest aspect of replay replayability to me the game i wouldn't replay this game i i wouldn't unless there was like an alan wake 2 announced in a couple of years and i was like oh i really gotta go play the first one again but Although we've already played a this previously,
0: game. There will probably be a previously on Blank and Blank. Right, <laughs>
1: previously <laughs> on season one of Alan Wake. Um, yeah. But another thing, too, is that me and you actually beat this game a long time ago. And, and I, I feel like beating a game it. two times, especially this type of game, I have no need to play this a third time. Yes. I, th- I The story is so interesting, but I can go look up videos on the story. I don't need to go play yeah. this game to look up more
0: i can look up the manuscript and right manuscript. i can look yeah. up
1: all the manuscripts read all of that i don't have to go play this game anymore
0: yeah I can, I, in fact i can probably because it was narrated i can just look up a
1: video and then just have alan wake do it for me <laughs> just have alan so like read better. you to sleep all of his manuscripts
0: oh mm, uh, it's so good <laughs> yeah all right yeah but that's that's more or less it for replayability it's i don't recommend this game to be purchased specifically on replayability, it doesn't have that value what it adds value the value that adds to um, this game is the story that's the
1: reason why you play this game is that the story is phenomenal well let's get right into it then let's get into what is the conclusion of this review how do you feel about the game chased would you buy it would you have your friend buy it would you say stay away from it would you get it on a sale what is it
0: I wrote down here that I don't recommend the game, and Quinn saw it later in the.
1: And I threw uh, up in my mouth. And what you're like, hell "What is the that? fuck?"
0: And here's why: I love this game a fuck ton. This game is really good. The problem is the ending, and then what has happened since, like its desire to become an Alan Wake two, has bothered me so much that I don't recommend this game because you're gonna feel so sad. and you're you're basically
1: saying don't get this game because it's really good and you'll invest your time and then you'll be disappointed that there's not a conclusion
0: yeah you'll be disappointed that there's not a second game because this game is so fun but it's like it ended on a purposeful cliffhanger right and it's never going to be answered unless uh i don't know they get a, a b team someday to to do it um, which I guess in this case would be the original people who made this game, and then the other people were able to work on a game that actually made the money. Because I mean, Alan Wake Two w- would make the money, but it would be nowhere near as like a really like I don't know triple A game that that uh, that had maybe a either a, a already really good IP or B it was already a. Um, um, or like a new game is my point. Like right. when you do an Alan Wake two, usually you lose people, or like a, a like a something three, whatever, whatever game you're doing, you lose people as you go through the uh, sequels, etc. If you understand what I'm saying, depending, so it's not gonna, yeah. Generally, this isn't always true. You know, sequels can do better than than the the ones that that they did before. I have, I have a feeling
1: like things like Borderlands three is going to definitely do way better than yeah. Borderlands yeah. two, yeah. But... and there
0: there are exceptions but i mean it's not i, I get where true. you're
1: coming from that it's kind of it's a little too old at this point the hype is kind of dead for it mm-hmm. um they have other things that are working on that are probably making them more money like quantum break made them probably more money because they had a deal with microsoft and quantum break was also a tv show so it was like this bigger franchise than just a single ip um I think from what I've been seeing is that control is kind of a step back into the double a range instead of the triple a and that it's more like Alan wake. And that gives me hope that maybe there'll be an Alan wake too. Hopefully I'm in a different boat than you chase. I would recommend this game. I think it's really good. I think it's a really good time. Really fun. Uh, really interesting story. If you don't, if you have to purchase the DLCs, right? If you have to purchase the DLCs on steam, um, if you're getting on Steam, I don't even know if this game is on Steam because we got on an Epic, and the Epic one inv- includes both the DLCs. But if you if you had the choice to purchase the DLCs or not, I would probably not purchase them because I felt like the DLCs solidified the fact that there should have been an Alan Wake 2, and that's what hurt me.
0: <laughs> Maybe that's what's hurting me is that the fact that I played the DLC, and I'm like, no, there are
1: right. to be more. I think if you played the, the game on its own without the DLCs, it would still be really good without that much hurt like there'd still be a little bit of hurt because you're like well there isn't really a there's a lot of questions at the end of the game right but Mm -hmm. ultimately i feel like that the game is about that but when the dlcs are introduced then it's like not only are there questions we're not going to answer but we're going to answer them in the sequel and then you're like okay (laughs) there's not a sequel fuck me
0: yeah definitely allen way 2 is going to be called the return
1: right and, or at least the, the book <laughs> going to be The Return. Whatever episode, some episode, the last episode would be called The Return or something. You're right, it would just be called Alan Wake Season 2. Something like that. <laughs> but I definitely recommend this game. It is a really fun mix of like thriller, action, third-person shooter. I really, really, really love the, the flashlight and then shooting mechanic. I think that is so cool, and it fits the world perfectly. There is no doubt in my mind that this is like how this would mechanic would work within the story. And there's no reticle on screen, so you're just using a flashlight. It's very like organic. I really, really love the game mechanically and the story. The mechanics and the story feel, fit so perfectly together. I feel like, and you, it's really hard to find that. And Alan Wake does a tremendous job of that, so I would recommend this game for sure. It's probably fifteen bucks if you have to buy it. That's super cheap for a game like this. Yeah, mm-hmm. the graphics aren't amazing, but story-wise, it's insane. I really enjoy it. I've paid more for less. This game quite a bit has a, a, a pretty decent length to it. I like it. Buy it's, this worth game. it. It's, it's worth it. It's worth it to it. me. Yeah, just I
0: don't. <laughs> I wish I only recommend it if they come out with Halloween 2. Right. That's just me.
1: Well, right. look at here. Review number two, Down the we Patch. We the end. <laughs> yeah. Definitely a lot longer than the last one. <laughs> right. I, I think this, this one had a very complicated story, and Cuphead did not have a very complicated story.
0: <laughs> yeah, so uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode, and uh, we really thank you for listening, and I hope you... Would be willing
1: to share your opinions. Where can they share their opinions, Quinn? BS Gamers Podcast on Twitter at us. Tell us about Alan Wake. Tell us your thoughts. Tell us about Alan Wake 2 and what would be happening in this Alan Wake 2 that is not made yet or may never well be a thing. <laughs> if you want to do us an even bigger solid, though, Chase, what should
0: they be doing? Oh, you guys got to be rating and reviewing us because we're such a small podcast, but you can make us so much bigger.
1: <laughs> our podcast is so small please make bigger
0: <laughs> please it would really we'd really appreciate it um we really like doing this type of stuff and we hope to continue on throughout the years
1: uh if you help us oh, out god I threw up in my <laughs> mouth when he <you> said years <laughs> god how about let's start with months months <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah let's go to the end of the year
1: <laughs> right that's the goal end of the year see you guys there we'll catch you in our next review we're going to be potentially playing control at some point which is uh yeah, potentially definitely a not next week. week. not next week <laughs> it'll take you some it'll take some it'll time. take us some time maybe in a month expect a review yeah. uh, but All thanks right. so much for listening yeah thank you <laughs>